I'm singing. What were you going to say? I'm singing. I'm in a store and, and I'm, I'm singing. singing. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Your voice. <laughs> Crime poppers. Crime poppers. Welcome back. Mm. Um, we are ready to pop some true crime tonight. We are a little bit behind getting this episode up, but fret not. You shall get your episode um, on Monday. Today is a special day and I'll explain why in a second. But if you remember last week, our case was really close to home. And this week's case is also kind of close to home because um, as you know, Adam, Mr. Gleba sitting across from me and some of y'all listening might know, my parents were born and raised in Newfoundland, which I think is uh, mentioned in one of our other episodes. But um, Newfoundland has one of the lowest crime rates in Canada. I think it was second to Prince Edward Island when we were talking about those stats in our right. one of our last episodes. And none of it. No, none of it was the highest crime rate. Oh, right. Which was weird. That is weird. Well, because they ha- you said they have a lot of guns. Well, and yeah. um, don't they but have still, like, they weird. have one of the prisons there? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Like, that's right. And my sister's, one of my sister's yeah, like ex-boyfriend a, worked in the... Whatever you call that when it's like a high security. Yeah, it's like a maximum, maximum security prison. Yeah. Which, which is, is weird. It's so weird. I know. But We're it's something saying, to do with but... like the moon cycles or something. <laughs> No, it can't be the moon cycles. It's like how they only have certain hours of daylight in a month. And I don't know, does that fuck with people's heads in that there's more crime? It's got to be something to I'd that. I watch a shit ton of Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Well, it's kids. dark out. Oh, fucking Netflix. <laughs> um, so it makes sense why uh, this case is a little confusing because if you think Newfoundland, small town vibes, like you typically don't think that there's a lot of crime that happens in Newfoundland and being a Newfie myself, it's like just, I don't know, something that I don't think happens or exists. uh, Traveled there to Bidarm and Ingly and all these small little fishing villages. Like the farthest you can go in the Northern Peninsula is, is where my family is from and And where so friendly there. So friendly. I went to the grocery store and I had like three sets, like completely independent groups of people invite me over for dinner what yes <laughs> are you serious i'm serious what i mean that doesn't I, surprise I, me though i mean i was like all decked out in some weird like adidas track suit with like i swear back then i had like the frosted tips or something <laughs> you i look like a gold chest, silver boy. chains like oh, those yeah. big chunky silver chains yeah, i look pretty douchey but anyways so and they're they, probably yeah. like who the fuck is this guy <laughs> yeah. come on they over call you a mainlander <laughs> yeah i remember when we went fishing cod fishing and we're out in the boat, and I ca- caught a huge cod. And I'm like, this is awesome. And then uh, they're like, okay, take it off the hook. I'm like, no, I'm not going to touch that thing. And like, I was all like, ooh, like trying. Your dad's like, come on, do it, do it. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm wearing like a, like a, a bright pink like <laughs> sweatshirt and like, I don't know, like just like bright colors. And there's another guy in a fishing boat. I look over, and he's just like mouth open, like staring at me like, who the f- who is, is this, this alien? And then your dad is like mainlander and he's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> I was like, so it's funny. It is funny because it was so funny. Newfoundland is an island, obviously, and they can they call people in Canada not on from the island mainlanders. So yeah. it's like this funny inside joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but this this case that I'm about to tell you today happened in St. Anthony. You remember St. Anthony? Oh, yeah. It's about an hour away from these small towns that Adam was mentioning North where my family yeah. grew up. 
And uh, this story was insane to me. I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact that the evidence seems so, for lack of a better word, evident. And I think for me, it's just these types of cases just go to show that if it wasn't for the efforts of the public and the media and all these podcasts and the rest, just keeping this case alive, some of them may not have been solved at all. And I just feel like this is one of the reasons why it's so important to continue shedding light on some of these cases in, I would say, smaller cases, um, because it's for that very reason to educate the public, to keep the story alive. And you just never know who might talk. And this is a great example of what we saw in the Tara Grinstead case, because mm. this took like 15, 20 years for this case to blow open. And I- I'm not sure it would have happened had Up and Vanish podcasts not have come out and made that case such a a popular, like kind of an over-sensationalized case in a way, and that it got so much media attention years and years after the fact. But that's why I think these these kinds of stories are so important. And I'm telling this story intentionally today because today marks the fourth year anniversary to the day that change the family and the life of Jennifer Hillier Penny. Let's pop this case open. Poppity pop. That was extra. St. Anthony, Newfoundland is a small town, like a really, really small town in the northern peninsula of Newfoundland, basically as far north as you can go before you fall off the edge of the island. What's the population? I was just going to ask you that. That was my question. What is your guess on the population of St. Anthony? I know it's like the bigger of the cities of the north, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with like 15K. 2200 people whoa yeah and it's the biggest like when people say like where are you from like right an hour south of saint anthony everyone knows saint anthony it's like um corner brook and all that but corner brook is like 50 probably hundred thousand. yeah corner brook is bigger and saint john's obviously is is bigger as well but yeah i was kind of shocked to see those numbers 2200 people small town like if you guys look on google maps and look at some of the pictures if you go to like a street view you're gonna you're gonna be like what the there's like probably kilometers between houses there i mean they have some sections where there's houses closer together but it's just it's so interesting to see um Mm. so to say that everyone knows everyone is an understatement it's actually almost like people are there's a lot of relatives right like you're you're almost related to everyone which is well yeah i mean where your your parents like was like what third fifth my fifth? parents are fifth yeah. cousins and Newfoundlanders are generally known to be laid back, friendly, passive, chill, hilarious. Like I, I can't even, my dad is, is hilarious. And my, my parents now have been in Ontario for quite some time, but they still have that accent. And I just think that Newfies are so funny. Generally, they're just opening, open, welcome. Like you said, you walk into a grocery store, you got three people asking mm-hmm. you for dinner. I remember but, it was like the, the friendliest people I've ever been like in the world too. Yeah, it's just, it's sense. so fascinating. I think yeah. it's it's so fascinating. And one story that always stood out to me and now that we're talking about it is when 9-11 happened and Gander, Newfoundland, mm-hmm. was one of the, the layovers, I guess, where f- 
well, people had to emergent, like land emergency flights because they didn't know what the hell was going on. And so there were over 7,000 passengers that had to fly into Gander. And these families locally just welcomed in all these strangers into their homes and like gave them dinner. And it was like this huge story. I think Clothes, there's actually shower food. Yeah, there's like a Netflix documentary. Yeah, on it. Was. They literally like it was insane. It was like there were long lost relatives and just like, hey, here you go. Have whatever <laughs> yeah. you want. Come on in. You know, let's have a drink. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so um it's Lord, it, thunder and Jesus. the reason why i think this is so important to <laughs> just, people probably three times three times um the reason why I'm, i think it's so important to build this case up this way is because you just don't see murders happening in newfoundland it just doesn't happen mm. i mean cl- clearly it does but um, you just don't hear of it. And a lot of times when when situations of people going missing, it's they've either took off somewhere or committed suicide and they find what happens. But you'll see in this case that that's not the conclusion. So a little bit about Jennifer Hillier Penny, who is who the story is around today. She was 38 years old and she was the mom to two girls, Dina and Marina. And as as most Newfoundlanders do back in this time frame, they grew up in a huge family. She had six siblings and uh, she was really close with her sister, Yvonne. So her and Yvonne were super close. She had some brothers. And back back growing up at that time frame, people got married and had kids super early. It was like a thing. It wasn't like taboo. So when she met her um, boyfriend, Dean Penny, in high school, she got married pretty well right away and uh, had a kid at 17 years old. Yeah. So her first daughter she had when she was 17. And uh, again, not unusual for this kind of stuff to happen. And uh, Jennifer, you know, if, despite the fact of being a teen mom, marrying her high school sweetheart, she went on to have a great career. She worked in the hospital in St. Anthony and she had a lot of friends there. Described as like this really caring person loving, very family oriented, which, you know, is, is kind of, um, how, what characterizes Newfies in general. 2016 for Jennifer had some pretty big changes. And as you can imagine, meeting someone at such a young age, being a teen mom and wife, you, I feel like we talked about this before, but you kind of grow apart when you're meeting someone and getting married at that age. It's just like, the stats aren't in your favor to stay with someone your entire life when you meet that young. And especially if your other half was gone all the time. So Dean was a fisherman and he would often um, take off on fishing trips and uh, he'd be gone a lot. I feel as Jennifer matured and grew up, um, grew out of her shell almost a little bit, she started doing things for herself and realized that she wasn't happy in her marriage. And she'd mentioned to some close friends and family that Dean was coming off, started to get really demanding, controlling, and I guess they'd just grown apart. And she had mentioned that she thought about leaving um, for kind of years leading up until this point. And in September 2016, Jennifer's mom died and her oldest daughter moved off to college. Um, she ended up going to Clarenville, which is about an eight hour drive from St. Anthony. And I think it's really just what gave her the motivation or push, I guess you could say, to act on on leaving Dean because she she almost felt like she was there for the kids and maybe was holding off a little bit. But then when all these big changes in her life happened, she was like, okay, for me to succeed and to have to get back happiness in my life, like this is what I need to do. 
And so she did just that. The Fifth Estate series talks about how she ended up seeking out a lawyer and drafting up divorce papers. And Dean was kind of in denial. He didn't want anything to do with this. He was persistent on trying to make things work. Um, But she was surprisingly pretty open to her daughter, Marina, which is the oldest one. Um, And Marina talks about how her and her mom were just almost best friends. And they talked a lot. And her, her mom would open up to her about... Um, the struggles that she was dealing with and she told her straight up like I'd fallen out of love with your dad I just wasn't happy I want to start a fresh life and this is my plan and this is what I'm gonna do and Marina was super supportive of that I mean as tough as it is probably for a daughter to hear that coming from your mom mm. you know she's older at this point right she's gone off to school and she's mature enough to understand yeah, that she wants the best that. for her mom So uh, Jennifer had also mentioned to some of her closest friends that she was scared of Dean. She just didn't trust him. She feared for her life. There must be more of the story of that, but whatever. What do you mean? People just fall out of love. I don't know. Does that really happen? I think if you meet at at like what, 14, 15, it doesn't mention like when they met in high school exactly. But, you know, if you're, if you have a baby at 17. Sure. Just, I don't know. It's. I don't feel like you can find, we talked about this. You can't find your true. I mean, there are exceptions. I can't say that. And there are, there have been exceptions, but you're more susceptible to, you know, marital issues down the road. If you're meeting at such a young age, I feel like love though. Like there's a lot of people that weren't really compatible, but if they're just with each other long enough, like you grow to love each other. I feel like not to, Get off track onto love. We're supposed to be more in death, but I'm just saying, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like sometimes these gold diggers are literally gold diggers, and then they're just like, actually, I truly now love this man. You know, even like they, he's they like initially got together with a dude that was right. rich, and like, then yeah, and it was like pure, like you know, it's a job, <laughs> and then you know, once they get to know somebody, so I feel like you usually grow, not disintegrate. But anyway, right, a little off track because Sorry. I think Dean in this case is he's showing signs <laughs> of he's showing signs of aggression like controlling behaviors he was stalking her she would mention to her friends like she noticed him slowly driving past her work at unexpected times like just checking making sure she was actually at work i mean we don't know we don't know the entire story right i'm i'm giving you a story based on the research that i've done and the coverage so far we don't know what what was happening, right? In like, there's two sides to every story, but I think the point is that from what we've researched and what we know, we have to we have to believe the victim side in the story, right? Mm-hmm. And Dean had been accusing Jennifer of um, an affair with the lawyer, which just seemed like really off. Um, you know, she had obviously been contacting this lawyer to to draft up divorce papers, and he had, um, I guess, uh, accused her of of cheating on him with he with very the paranoid. lawyer, like very paranoid behavior, yeah. from what I'm reading. Um, and uh, she just she expressed to her friends, like, yeah, you know, I, this is this is weird. I just want you guys to know about this, just in case like something happens. I think is why she opened up to everyone. Why is it always somebody says shit like that? They're like, in case something happens to me, like, <laughs> is that is that starting to become a common variable here? I have People's- never once said that to anyone. For the record, like, <laughs> I have. <laughs> my true crime experience yeah I see why that's- like, yeah totally I'm like, anything ever happens to me <laughs> it was her 
You're so funny. Okay, so funny and serious. <laughs> you're like dead serious. <laughs> oh funny. gosh. Jennifer officially starts to get her ducks in order to leave. So she's got everything planned up. She's going to move out to Clarenville where Marina is going to school. So her yeah. oldest daughter. So she's, she's planning on moving out there. Cool. Yeah. Okay. You're paying attention to detail. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I got one thing. <laughs> I can test you after. Now, where was this location? <laughs> a, it was in Pennsylvania. <laughs> oh, my God. All Wrong. Above. So. All the above. Always going all the above. <laughs> One in doubt. <laughs> or B. B or all of the above. Yeah. So Jennifer had a second interview with a job that she was pretty well. She was thinking she was going to get this job in Clarenville. So everything was lining up. This is where she was. This is what she was going to do. But in the meantime, she had moved in with her dad in Gricket, Newfoundland. And Gricket? Gricket. <laughs> Why is that so funny? I don't know, man. It's just, the, know. All these names, guys, you have to Gricket. understand in Newfoundland. They have the funniest names. They actually do. I remember looking at a map and being like, oh my lord. Like, what are some of the names here? Okay, people are not going to believe this. There is a town in Newfoundland called Dildo. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Mainbrook. Big Brook. No, no, no. If you Google funny town names Newfoundland, they all come up. Come by chance. Come by chance is a town name. Blow me down. (laughs) You can't make this shit up. Google it. Yeah, they they don't put a lot of thought into these, eh? <laughs> into what? Into naming the towns? Yeah, it's like they were drunk off of oh, moonshine just, one it's, night. It's all they're all the same, like muddy hole. <laughs> um, then then it's like Dog Cove, Gray River, um, like Parson. it's like a game of Mad Libs. There's no seriously Long Island, Little Bay. Okay, anyways, so back to Gricket, Newfoundland. So this is where Jennifer's dad lived, and it's about a 45-minute drive from St. Anthony. So she ends up moving in with her dad because, as you know, her mom just recently passed away, so she figures she's going to move in with her dad, help him out, um, and, and you know, until she figures out her situation in Clarenville, where that's where she's going to move, have her new job, her new life, find happiness, etc. Cool. So... um so in the meantime, she's still working in St. Anthony, right? So she has a 45-minute drive every day to work and then back home in Cricket. But on November 30th, 2016, Jennifer's plan would unexpectedly change. Jennifer's younger daughter, Dina, didn't want to move with her mom away from home because she was still in high school. And, you know, if you're in high school, you've got your friends, you know, you're, it's like a huge deal mm-hmm. um, at that age. And so, you know, Jennifer was like, that's cool. You can stay here with your dad until you're done high school and you can, you know, figure out what you want to do at that point, whether you want to move or stay. And that was all good and fine. Um, and then just as Jennifer thought that she had everything lined up, she's good to go. She's getting away. Dean calls her. And asked her to come back to the house for a week because he was going on a hunting trip and didn't want to leave Dina. I think she was 14 or 15 at the time. He didn't want to leave her home alone for the whole week. So he's like, can you come to the house and stay with her for the week while I'm away? And Jennifer mentions to her friends and family, she's like, I don't really feel comfortable doing this because, again, she just had vocalized her concerns to everyone about being anywhere near Dean at this point. But 
Um, you know, she agreed more so, I think, in my perspective, probably because she didn't want to leave Dina home for a week, right? Like she's there for her daughter. Um, and she agreed to do it. So uh, she ended up agreeing and under the premise that Dean would not be anywhere near the house, you know, while she was while Jennifer was there. So he's like, I promise, I promise I won't step foot in the house. I'll be gone um, away to the cabin where he's going hunting for the week. Two weeks, <laughs> you're not going to leave this. Two weeks before this conversation, this happened, this plan of Jennifer staying at the house for the week. Mm-hmm. She's talking to a friend at work and she's like, I need you to be a witness for me right now. I'm changing my insurance policy and I'm removing Dean from my insurance policy and adding my two do- daughters, Dina and Marina, as the sole beneficiaries to my insurance plan. Mm. Which is like a huge, that's a huge deal. Okay. Mm. And no one at the time knew that this was happening. She didn't tell anyone. The only person that knew was her coworker who acted as a witness while she made those changes. Mm. Thoughts on this? Mm. At least she's not adding more bounty to her head. Like what? Oh, like, like last week? <laughs> yeah, like, let's go $4 million if I die. Yeah, right. It's going to increase my chance of living somehow. It, it's definitely raising some red flags. She, this is, it's one thing to say to coworkers and friends and families, you know, I'm scared for my life. My husband's a fucking wacko. I to say that. Just, sorry. I wonder if you'd like walk into an insurance company and be like, hi there. I would like to add a bounty to my head. They're like, sorry, what? I wonder if that's happened. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm sorry. I meant, I meant life insurance plan. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, indirectly, you're creating a bigger target. But what I'm saying is that if if sorry, it's one <laughs> thing to say, it's one thing to say you're scared for your life to your friends and family. Yes, and then it's another thing healthy. to change your insurance policy like that. That's right. a huge indicator well, that she's moving on and right makes sense. Right. So. On November 30th, 2016, it was just an average Wednesday for Jennifer. She wakes up again at her father's house and she's ready to drive back to St. Anthony for work. It's again about a 45 minute drive um, for her shift at 7 a.m. So after her shift, she drives back to her dad's house for dinner, has dinner with her dad and her sister, Yvonne. Mm -hmm. And she's planning today to go back to St. Anthony to this is when she's going to start staying at the house for a week while Dean is gone. While at dinner, her sister Yvonne's like, I have a, an appointment at the hospital in St. Anthony for eight o'clock. This is perfect. Timing works out great. Can I hop a ride with you to St. Anthony and you can drop me off on your way to the house? And Jennifer's like, yeah, no problem. This works out perfectly. And, uh, you know, they get ready to go at about seven, seven thirty to drive back to St. Anthony. So on her way to St. Anthony, she gets a call and a text from Dean saying, are you, where are you? Like, are you on the way to the house? And then there were some, some conversations back and forth along the lines of you're there now. And she's like, yeah, I'm heading there now. Like he was like trying to track where she was and how Mm. close she was getting to the house. And I think her sister also knew that this had happened. At the same time, she told Dina, her daughter, that uh, her curfew was at 9.30. She was out with friends and she figured her timeline was going to be, okay, I'm going to drop Yvonne off at the hospital and I'm going to head over to the house uh, shortly after Yvonne's done. I'm going to hang out here until she's done her appointment. 
then I'll pick up Dina because she's out with her friends. It'll be 930 and that'll be perfect. I won't be at the house alone. That was her whole thing. She's like, I just don't want to be at the house alone. So that was all good and fine. And then out of nowhere, Jennifer gets this really bad headache and she's complaining to her sister. She's like, I just I don't think I can wait around here. I'm going to go back to the house. I'm going to run a bath and relax before I have to go get Dina for her 930 curfew. You can kind of see where this is going, right? Mm. Jennifer supposedly gets a bath and is waiting for 930 to pick up Dina. Dina calls her mom at 930 to come get her from her friend's house. There's there's reports that show that she did indeed call her mom to come pick her up. But there was no answer. Jennifer didn't pick up. So Dina thinks to herself, okay, mom must be in a deep sleep. You know, I'm not going to disturb her anymore. I'm just going to stay at a little bit late past my curfew. You know, she's probably sleeping. I can get away with this. So she calls again when she's ready to be picked up. No answer. So she calls her grandmother, Dean's mom, who lives in St. Anthony as well, close by, to come get her at a friend's house and bring her back home. Dina arrives home and she's shocked to see Dean at the house. And she's like, well, what are you doing here? And he tells her that he'd forgotten his duck hunting decoys in the garage. And oh there's some indication here that like he's a, he's an advanced hunter. Like you don't forget like this is, this is like a big thing you need to go hunting. Like this is like if you're going to the gym and you don't you're wearing sandals, you don't bring your sneakers. It's like one of those things like you just kind of don't forget if you're going on a hunting trip. But anyway, so I guess she kind of just brushed it off and she tiptoes up to bed quietly. She really didn't want to wake her mom up. She knew that she was past her curfew. She didn't want to like get in trouble. So she just sneaks off, peeks over and sees the room in which her mom is supposed to be staying in and she sees the door closed. So she's like, phew, made it home, good to go, going to sleep. The next morning, Dina is awoken by the loud buzzing alarm noise that she recognizes to be her mom's phone alarm. And she's thinking, what the hell? Like, why isn't she turning it off? It was buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. So Dina's like, finally, I'm going to just get up and go check out what's happening, why she's not turning off her phone. So she walks into the room expecting her mom to be like snoring. And what she finds is very confusing. She clearly sees her mom's phone buzzing. It's plugged in. It's on the nightstand. She notices that Jennifer's purse, coat, bath water is still in the bathtub. But no Jennifer. Jennifer is nowhere to be seen. It's like she just vanished. Mm. She looks outside and her car's still there. Her keys are still in her purse. Car's still there. What the fuck is happening? Dina calls over her grandmother, Ruby, uh, who lives close by, to come over and like be with her. She's like, I don't know what happened. She calls her dad. Da- Dean apparently comes back to the house and they start trying to figure out, like, where's Jennifer? No one knows what's happening. Jennifer's brother, Glenn, at this point comes over and he... He immediately, he's like, this is not okay. I know something's up. And he wasn't waiting any longer. He's He calls the RCMP right away. And they come to the house. And quite frankly, like they're not treating this as a crime scene at this point. And I kind of understand in a way, because if you think about the stats of of crime in in these small towns like it just doesn't happen so it's not typical things it's not typical they're just getting there they're again thinking okay did she run off you you know there's clearly indication that you guys were having trouble she was probably even know dean and they're like oh hey dean how are you You they probably do i'm not gonna lie chances are and um they're not they're not treating this as a as a as a crime scene and i know that that's really frustrating for the family like in hindsight because 
They wish that things would have been acted on a little bit quicker, treated right. as a crime scene right away, taped off the house. But it's reported by Marina that there was over a hundred people during this whole process in and out because they just didn't they didn't think it was a crime scene. So they're you know fingerprints, DNA, all kinds of stuff that might have been messed with in oh. terms of evidence. And so right from the beginning, it was it was a tainted crime scene, right? It was a week, actually, exactly before they ended up taping up the house because they, they even called cadaver dogs, search efforts. They searched the entire area and they're like, there's no traces at all of Jennifer. So they finally locked taped up the house they no one was allowed in there and um this is when they really start to take things seriously as a missing person's case because at first it was just you know a case of maybe she ran off so they this whole case kind of drops off unfortunately at this point because the rcmp i I don't know if it's because they felt like they were they had some sort of answers that they weren't sharing with the public or if they just felt like there was too much negative backlash coming back on them for, um, you know, not taking the case seriously in the beginning, but there was some sort of gag order uh, applied by the RCMP and by Dean's lawyer for him not to talk because he ended up hiring a lawyer and the fifth estate who was really taking this case to the next level in terms of coverage they essentially had to stop doing their documentary because of the, I, I'm not sure if it was exactly a gag order, but they were trying to make them stop talking about the case. Mm. So what they ended up doing was Dean, they... Dean did not want to talk about the case. Dean, well, his lawyers told him to not talk to anyone. Which is Dean. Right. Um, but the Fifth Estate did manage to catch him going into the house when they were covering the case in St. Anthony, and I'll just play a little clip of of what he said. Dean, how are you? I'm Mark Kelly from CBC Television. How are you? Sorry about Jennifer. We've come up here uh, trying to find some answers, just as I'm sure you are too. We wouldn't mind finding some ourselves, but... How do you feel when, when people suspect you had something to do with it? Well, I mean, people are going to suspect it, but I mean, I'm not going to feel bad over it because I didn't do anything. So, you know, really is the only bad thing I feel about it is for girls. Yeah. Because, I mean, the three of my girls was everything to me. And still are. Well, people often suspect. Yes. The husband, the yeah. partner. Yeah. But they couldn't be more wrong this time. But how do you explain how somebody can disappear? I don't know. From your own house? Without a trace and nobody knows nothing about it. I know. And that's one of the reasons we're here. So, I mean, that's that's pretty strange. Like, even Jennifer, I was down at the cabin down down Norris Arm. Mm-hmm. I was down I was, I was down for a full week uh, hunting, right? Duck hunting, right? And uh, it's, just, it's just really strange, eh? So, uh, I mean, I kind of feel 50-50 on this and I I don't know how to how to think I really I want to believe that he didn't do anything but it just doesn't look he's not looking good he refused to take a polygraph test Um, Marina told him his daughter said you know if if you had nothing to do with this take a polygraph test and he said no 
So she has cut ties. Yeah, it doesn't look good, right? I mean, why were you at the house getting your hunting, your duck hunting gear? Yeah, it was like... Equipment? Yeah. Why were you there? You know, you weren't supposed to be there. You told everyone you weren't going to be there and you got caught there and seemed a little bit sketchy. So, I mean, it's not looking good in your favor. And who knows where this case might go. I feel like... I feel like we will find answers and I think it's just a matter of time before talks someone for, talks. Yeah. And I think doing cases like this in terms of podcast coverage, documentaries, there's a bunch of YouTube videos that you guys can watch where people have covered the case. And I just think that eventually someone knows something and they're going to talk mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of time. There's a dedicated Facebook page to Jennifer Hillier Penny run by her daughter, Marina, And she frequently updates just any new pieces of information on the case, just keeping her memory alive. It's a place for people to go to remember Jennifer. And as of yesterday, she had posted uh, a pretty lengthy post that I'm going to read you. And this is unique to this case that we're covering today in that I have not heard any of this. It was just published yesterday. So no one has talked about it. So this is the exclusive crime poppers information. November 30th, 2016, my mother's life was taken in the town of St. Anthony, Newfoundland. It's just one day shy of four years since that tragic night, and we still find ourselves fighting for justice, fighting for someone to make this right, whether it be her killer or law enforcement, whoever can get their act together first. Her body was never found. Her killer walks free. We have no answers, only questions. All we have is our own personal scenarios in our mind based on the things we do know. I've been told this investigation is of highest priority and it's been worked on daily. I'm sick of being told their automated responses, which they think will keep me content. And I'm sick of reiterating their lies. I've lost all respect for law enforcement in the missing person's jurisdiction. Your presence is needed in the town where the crime took place. Bring the heat, put the pressure on, do your job. What are you waiting for? The police keep saying, trust the process but I've witnessed some of the darkest that lurks in this world, and I don't trust anyone anymore. Your team of underqualified rookies have failed my mother, failed me, and failed my family, and failed this whole province. I never thought this would go on this long. I really wished for this to be over long before now. In my opinion, the major crime units and local RCMP have everything handed to them on a silver platter and still managed to botch this investigation. Jennifer Hillier's murder was no mystery. The only mystery that remains is where her body lies and we ha- why haven't the police been able to make an arrest that is so obvious. I have accepted my brave and beautiful mother is gone forever. I'm still learning to accept I may never find her body, but I will not accept that the man responsible for her death is not being held account- accountable. I cannot bear to live with myself knowing this monster is living free and stealing hers. It isn't right. It isn't natural. Why does he get the option to be so cowardly? Why can't he just say the words? Why can't he own up to what he did and take responsibility? Why is he still choosing to make everyone else suffer, already taking everything from her? We are the victims left living. Why do we get to endure this prolonged torture? Why won't you give her back to us? Were you born this monster or did you become it? I am tired. I am so fucking tired. I'm sick of people telling me how strong I am when really I'm dying inside. I don't want to be strong anymore. I want to feel normal again. I'm done with the pain. I want to bury my mother alongside her mom and dad 
I want to go rest on the high mountain with the people she loved the most in this world, and I want her killer behind bars. And worst case scenario, if he should never see the inside of jail cell, I want the police to admit to me and the rest of the world what exactly they screwed up so bad and explain why everything points directly to him, but they were incapable of securing hard evidence. I want someone to be held responsible. I want answers. Someone needs to pray for this. I've been patient long enough. I want to carry on with my life. My mom would want that for me too, but I'm sure she also knows no matter how weak or tired I become, I cannot let this go. Not for a single second until this is over once and for all. I'm never going to give up until I ensure she gets what she deserves. A final chance at peace. Why is this so much to ask? I should not have to beg and plead for this fight. This is God given right. How dare you take that from her and how dare you put me through this? Shame on you. Shame on people that support you. I hope that one day you're capable of feeling an ounce of guilt and remorse, and I hope that one ounce grows. I hope it grows so big it eats you alive. But who am I kidding? I know you're incapable of feeling. I know you lost a part of yourself when you took her life. I know you're not human anymore. I know I lost both parents on that cold winter's night. I hope you know your selfish and reckless choices, your narcissism and possessiveness orphaned us. You killed her and left us for dead in the wreckage that followed. I wanted to take the time today to share some of my mom's story with you all. My hands are tied in regards to what I can do now amid the investigation. Raising awareness for violence against women, domestic abuse, missing and murdered women of Canada, and our pathetic excuse of the justice system on social media is the only thing I have left at my disposal. So I ask of you today to take the time to educate yourself on the unsolved kidnapping and murder of Jennifer Hillier Penny. Share her story far and wide. Make people aware of the injustice to an innocent woman in a small rural town nestled right here in our happy and safe, quoted, little province. Remember her. Remember all missing and murdered women of Canada. Find your voice and use it for the lost women who have had theirs forcefully taken away. Our mothers, daughters, sisters, cousins, and friends, their lives matter. They deserve more than this, and we can do better. I love you, Mom. Your life matters. I will be your voice, and I will not let your death be in vain. And I'm fearful this battle is still far from over, and I will raise hell for you until the better end. I am my mother's savage daughter, and I will not let my voice go. Well, so she basically believes her dad did it caught that yeah she she is kind of subtly saying it without saying it Mm -hmm. and um i mean i would i i feel for her i think it's hard especially if he wouldn't take a polygraph wow it's just unfortunate now that she has children Mm -hmm. of her own and she understands the immense love for your child Mm -hmm. and i think she just feels so deeply Sorry for the fact that she has really lost both parents, as she said. That's sad. If you have any information whatsoever about the disappearance of Jennifer Hillier Penny, please call Crime Stoppers or contact the organizer of the In Loving Memory of Jennifer Hillier Penny Facebook page on Facebook. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hoped you liked listening to this case today. If you are not following us on Instagram, please do so at Crime Poppers. And you can find all of our document sources and some more case details, photos, and all that such on our website at www.crimepoppers.com. Any final thoughts, Mr. Gleba, on this case today? I'm just sad for the children. But anyways, um, 
hopefully it comes to light. Hopefully we find soon. an answer yeah. and we do promise that any missing cases, if we do have a solution or a, I guess not a solution, if there's um, a resolution in the case, we do uh, want to do a part two. So yeah. let's hope that that's the case. Have a good night, everyone. Thank you. Take care.